listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Sharon Nelson and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded at the 30th ABA Tech Show being held in Chicago, Illinois. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. Joining me now, I have Ben Wisner and David Latt. Before we get started, would you please tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you work, and what you do? David, why don't you go first? My name is David Latt. I'm the founder and managing editor of AboveTheLaw.com, which is a website covering the legal profession. And I'm Ben Wisner. I have been a lawyer at the ACLU for almost 15 years. I now direct our speech, privacy, and technology project, and I'm a legal advisor to Edward Snowden. That's a heck of an introduction. (laughs) Ben, why don't you tell us what you're thinking about security today for lawyers? It almost didn't exist a few years ago. Where has it come today, and what tools are you seeing used, and what do you think lawyers need to know about security? Well, I think maybe the best way I can answer that is to say where I've come in the last few years. If we'd been having this interview in 2011 and 2012 and someone had said, do you use encrypted email or PGP? I would have given you a quizzical look and said, what is it that you're talking about? I'm not defending that. Even by then, I probably ought to have had a better understanding of how to send secure email given the kind of sensitive work that I do. Obviously, I've had a crash course. When you're representing someone like Edward Snowden and you can assume that all of the world's intelligence agencies might be interested in your communications, you have to learn a lot about how to secure them. And so it may have been in the past that we would lock our file cabinets and leave for the night and hope for the best. We have to do better than that now when increasingly governments and corporations, hackers from all over the world are trying to penetrate communications. They know who is holding sensitive communications. It's not all lawyers who are representing digital dissidents. Many lawyers are holding on to very sensitive intellectual property of their clients, uh, and it may be easier to attack the lawyer's office than it is to attack the major corporation, which spends more on cyber defense. So we use a term called threat model, and that is, you know, who is it that we're worried about? What kind of attacks do we need to keep in mind? That will not be the same for every lawyer in the profession, but I think that in 2016, if lawyers are not thinking about how they can secure their communications and secure their data, then they may have serious ethical problems down the line. Well, and speaking of ethical problems, David, I worry a lot, and I know a lot of other lawyers worry about holding data in the cloud. So cloud security is a big issue. Sometimes I think to myself, well, it's a big issue, and then I think sometimes the cloud protects data better than the lawyers would protect their own data. So where do you come down on this? And if you think they should use the cloud, how do they abide by their ethical constraints? Well, that's a big uh, that's a big topic. I think that lawyers should definitely feel free to use the cloud to store information in the cloud online as opposed to in uh, particular devices. There's been a fair amount of commentary about the ethical uh, rules about this, and certainly lawyers have duties to make sure that the cloud computing service they're using takes adequate security protocols. I think the question is almost, how can you not use the cloud? And in some ways, it may be safer, depending on the service you're using, to store documents in the cloud than to have them in a flash drive or a computer, which you might lose or which might get 
get stolen. So I'm all in favor of it. I just think that lawyers need to take precautions. And that's a topic we'll be getting into our uh, panel uh, discussion uh, later today. Well, we're looking forward to that. And I suspect one thing we'll be talking about is the FBI versus Apple controversy. Ben, you want to give us a really concise version of that, where we are and what the real implications are, because that's a real serious question for lawyers. Yes. I mean, I think the shortest version that I can give here is that I firmly believe that the FBI is not interested in the particular phone. They are interested in establishing a legal precedent that would allow them to compel Apple and other companies to break into phones. The phone at issue here, of course, is the government work phone that belonged to one of the San Bernardino shooters. We know that he had other phones, personal phones, which he destroyed, which makes us assume that the sensitive stuff was on those and not on his work phone. The FBI locked itself out of this phone and now wants to get a court to conscript Apple to write code to undermine the security of its own device. There are a lot of problems with that. I mean, for one thing, we know that the U.S. government could actually do this work itself if it simply took the time to do it. Not that it's easy, but that it's surely achievable by the U.S. government with its resources. But more than that, it's more important to our global security, to our economic security, and to our civil liberties to have a world in which we can have secure devices. And not just we can have secure devices, but dissidents and journalists operating in corrupt and dangerous regimes, then it is that the FBI should have the easiest way into every possible piece of evidence. Uh, you know, already we're in a world where there are so many digital breadcrumbs that the FBI has a hundred times more evidence about people than it ever had in history. It may be that there are times when it's difficult or even impossible for them to get one additional piece of evidence. The question is, should we weaken the security of our entire ecosystem in order to facilitate that surveillance, or should we favor keeping our own devices and our own platform secure against attacks from other hostile actors? You know, to me, the answer is clear. The FBI chose a terrorism case so that they could try to get public sympathy on their side. And what's remarkable is that even in a terrorism case, the polls that I've seen show that a majority or plurality of Americans support Apple in this fight and not the FBI. Well, I stand with you both, and I'm sorry to say that it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Yep. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here again. Thanks. And if our listeners should have questions or wish to follow up, how can they reach you, David? I'm very easily findable on Twitter, and I can also be uh, found through AboveTheLaw.com. My email address is on the site. Ben? My email address is bwisner at aclu.org, and I hesitate to send people to my Twitter page because it's not as serious as it might be, but they can find <laughs> me there too. Well, that's going to make me want to look for it, <laughs> <laughs> This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Sharon Nelson. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.